production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Derek. Coming to you on a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous Monday afternoon here. You said it was 58 degrees when you woke up this yep, morning? That's exactly right. 58 degrees, uh, wonderful, beautiful sunset on the uh, east side of Hernando. Um, I, I told you all fair, just started sitting on the back porch and enjoying that before uh, Evelyn gets up and before I wake my 15-year-old teenager up, which now takes three <laughs> times to uh, wake him up. So a uh, bit of a slow process, but I uh, really enjoy the uh, sunrise every morning. It's really pretty. I know. It's Christmas morning, of course, coming off the first full football weekend with all you know all different levels playing just a wonderful wonderful weekend of football watched a lot of it both went to the grove and then of course sunday just had it on in the background doing everything i was doing who that yeah saints uh, pulled it out never an issue i mean when Come we on, trailed falcons, man. yeah i mean you can't let the falcons have any success on the first but they did show a stat right as the fourth quarter was beginning the, the falcons were terrible in the fourth quarter last year and nothing changed this year and we'll definitely take it as saints fans um they finally started to play a little bit of offense uh in the fourth quarter and uh, got it done it's amazing how that works when you start calling plays that push the ball down the field oh um, let your quarterback play that's amazing. let your quarterback play it's amazing i mean let me get this straight uh, james winston is is uh is can throw the ball down the field way better than Drew Brees can at mm-hmm. the end of his career. Um, the whole reason Jameis is part of the Saints is to move the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just run between the tackles and throw <laughs> short stuff uh, for the first three quarters with with a quote unquote tight end. Well, don't, yeah. don't give it to your best right, player. Right, right, right. So the only you reason we scored a touchdown, end. the only reason we scored a touchdown was our bowling ball running back tight end guy, yeah. you know Taysom Hill. But um, I, I just get so frustrated when those guys make millions of dollars to call plays be good coaches, and have months to prepare. And the first three quarters of any of that NFL game, I'm like, what in the world did y'all do for eight months? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I, it, 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 it was good to see. It was a good win, of course, playing the Falcons, who just love to give up leads. Sure. Uh, also, just a, a wonderful thing. So, we'll take it. For uh, sure. Matt, another thing that's a wonderful thing, these beautiful days, get an opportunity to go outside and, uh, and maybe look at some houses. Absolutely, Derek. I mean, now's the time to go out, roll the window down, 75, 80, 85 degrees, right around town, maybe looking for a change for you and your family in the DeSoto County area. Maybe our branch, you're trying to move to Hernando. Maybe you live in Memphis. We'll talk more about that here shortly. It may be the time to move out of Memphis, and that's going to be part of my word from the weekend. And if you're wanting to make a change, whether you're buying or selling a home, home in DeSoto County, please consider contacting our 2022 presenting sponsor, the number one real estate team in DeSoto County for the last 13 years. I'm speaking, of course, about Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. They possess over 66 years of combined real estate experience. They have thousands of closings since 2009 on the buying or selling side of residential real estate. They were also recently voted DeSoto's best for the fifth time. There have been some changes in the market, whether it be interest rates or that type stuff. The residential market has definitely slowed down and now's the best time to work with a realtor with decades of experience. And Brian and Terry definitely possess that. They can help you for the entire process of listing your home, buying your home, working with interest rates when it comes to closing, working with closing attorneys. When you have thousands of closings since 2009, you've definitely seen a lot when it comes to residential real estate. And Brian continues to press myself and Derek on that. When we read his ad, 
to encourage people to use realtors with experience. And Brian and Terry definitely have that. Call them at 662-449-1700. Call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. You can also do a full home search at teamcouch.com. Put in your filters, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, what you're looking for as far as a zip code, maybe even a school zone. Let the website do all the work to help you find the home of your dreams in DeSoto County or anywhere in the Mid-South. Again, give them a call, 662-449-1700 or visit their website, teamcouch.com. And always remember, every home needs a couch podcast recorded on this beautiful Monday afternoon at the Mobile Car and Van Rental Studios. Mobile Cars and Vans located at the corner of McCracken and Commerce right here in Hernando. Cars, trucks, vans, cargo vans. If you have an insurance claim where you're turning your car into a body shop, we'd certainly love to help you there. Over the past two years, we've definitely got a lot of experience when it comes to all the major brands, State Farm, Farm Bureau, Progressive, Geico, all the major brands. We can assist you when it comes to turning your car into a body shop. If you know any friends or family members that are turning their car in for a transmission need or anything like that, or maybe they're traveling for a football weekend or traveling during Thanksgiving or Christmas, please give Mobile Cars and Vans a call at 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Thank you for a wonderful summer. Thank you for all those that did shop local and spend their money locally. We are ready to serve you for all your fall travel needs and definitely Thanksgiving and Christmas. 662-469-4555. Mobile cars and vans. Well, Derek, before we turn our attention to our words from the weekend, let's make a little bit of acknowledgement about the music. Obviously, it's the anthem for the Queen of England, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, 70 years on the throne. Yes. 96 years old since our last show. I want to say she maybe passed away on Thursday morning, maybe Thursday, uh, maybe Wednesday morning. Definitely since yeah, our pa- since Thursday, our last show. Yeah, Thursday morning sounds yeah, right. That sounds yeah, right. Yeah, since our last show, Queen Elizabeth passed away. And so uh, King Charles, which I was laughing yesterday, Heather <laughs> saw Prince Charles and Heather was like, oh, I can't stand him, you know, so King Charles, King Charles now, now. Again, King Charles, King Charles could care less if, if my wife likes him, but um, anyway, King Charles is now on the throne, Queen Elizabeth, like I said a second ago, 70 years on the throne, mid-20s, early 20s, yeah, yeah. 20, 2025, yeah, right, would have been 20, 24, started, 25 right. years yeah. old, wow, can you imagine being the, the monarchy of <laughs> of a country at 25 years old, I know what I was like at 25 years old, and it would have been, uh, of course, she was probably a little more polished than we little, were, a little more mature, <laughs> she a little was, bit more mature, she was raised to be that way, yeah, so yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, what do you say? I guess you just kind of say shout out to her on a, a life well lived. She seemed like an amazing woman. No, as we're recording this, her body lies in state. For what I, everything I've read and heard, whatever you feel about the monarchy, I mean, you can like it, you can not like it, you can think it's ridiculous. Overall, she was a good person. Sure. Uh, seemed to try to bring people together, tried to get out there and let the you know the public see her, not kind of hide behind a glass wall. Uh, and you know, so it seemed like no matter what you think about the position, she that people liked her. And so that's, you know, that's to, to go, you know, to, to live a wonderful life and to die and to, to be a well light and really not ever take a position. You know, she's not, you know, she's supposed to be uh, neutral and she literally over 70 right. years basically remained neutral, which is amazing to think about that she never came out and said anything aggressive or anything that, you know, would, would cause some people to feel one way or the other. And, uh, you know, so just a, just a wonderful lady. You know, Derek, the people that do not like the monarch are not monarchs. So, <laughs> right. The, the, the I mean, people if you're that, in yeah, the system, the, right. yeah, you're, you're, you're sitting pretty. It's amazing how that works. It's amazing <laughs> how that works. If you don't like the monarchy or like the royal family, uh, that's because you're not in it. Yeah, and it's yeah. a pretty nice uh, gig if you can get it. Now, yeah. let's not forget, before we turn, if you've ever seen the movie The King's Speech. Great, okay, great movie. Great movie. If you've ever seen the movie The King's Speech, Elizabeth's dad is the king mm-hmm. that 
gave the speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, her uncle gave up his abdicated. Heir, right. He he gave up his heir to the throne for an American woman. That is correct. Does that sound very similar to what has happened over the last year when it comes to royal Well, family? almost, almost. Well, well, here's the thing. Harry, there's no chance Harry ever would have been, That's be, correct. been king. That's correct. This guy was lined, ready to go, and it came time, and he chose an American woman over. To a point, Harry could have. I mean, if Charles would have died quickly, William would have died before he correct. had kids, then yes, Harry could have. Right, but what I'm but, saying yes, is now, now, yes. now there's no way that's Yeah, correct. I mean, w- something happens to William. Then it's the, his daughter, right. which is interesting, yeah. and then it's his son yeah. because uh, you know the, the daughter was born first. There you go. Very interesting. So I think the only mentions we've uh, had of the uh, the word queen, Derek, have been songs uh, here in the last couple of years. So this yes. is an opportunity for us to mention that. But I, I didn't want to start the uh, show without mentioning that, recognizing that, and then we're going to have more stuff to talk about uh, definitely in the Memphis area with my word from the weekend. But, but Derek, we took off last week. We did not do a Friday show because you were busy on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in your meeting. Tell everybody about that. What is your word from the break? My word from the break is collaborative. Okay, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-I-V. That is correct. Uh, We had a collaborative meeting, so basically this is what I mentioned, and I'm not going to bore you too much with the actual meeting itself, but it was a collaborative meeting between the 10 states coming together to try to advertise, improve, draw attention to the Great River Road, uh, which is what our commission is set to do. And of course, the Great River Road uh, runs from uh, Atasca, Lake Atasca uh, in Minnesota, all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. You can literally travel the road. Now, it's given different names in each state, but I mean, there is a, a connective road that you can drive all the way down. And that is what our committee is meant to do. And so for Mississippi, you know, as part of this, coming out of this, we're, we're going to hopefully be seeing several things that we're going to be promoting over the next three to five years. But what I want to say right now uh, from the collaborative meeting that we have is that if you have never, if, you, if you're listening to this, if you're one of our many listeners and you're listening to this and you have, you know, are deciding, okay, what can I do for a quick, quick weekend trip? What can I do, you know, maybe for a long weekend trip over the next, you know, year? Like if you find a, an empty weekend or a long weekend with these holidays that are, you know, seem to always be on Monday or something like that, get out and travel Highway That's 61. That's just for bankers. That's just for bankers. Uh, just for bankers. Yes. Okay. If, if you're in the if federal banker, government, yes. state government, or a banker, right. and if you're, you're listening to this. If you work for the federal, <laughs> state, or work for a bank yeah. and get 87 holidays a year, Please travel the 61 Highway. Go ahead. Dave. All right. So Highway 61 and Highway 1. Those are the two river roads in Mississippi. If you need, please email us at underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. If you want kind of an itinerary, I can give it to you. Uh, you could talk to people if you know people in the Delta. Uh, I mean, Clarksdale gets a bad reputation, but a weekend in Clarksdale, there is a lot to do. I mean, you can go there. There's the Delta Blues Museum. There's the Qualpaw Canoe Company. There's several things you can do over there. Cleveland, Grammy Museum. Delta State. Well, I mean, it has Delta of, State, yeah. has the college, but I'm talking about that, you know, that, uh, you know, they have all kind of uh, activities to do right. in and around the downtown, which has really been revitalized. I mean, you can go to Greenwood, of course. You can do a, a night down there at the wonderful hotel that they have in Greenwood. Uh, then you can go to Greenville. Greenville's got a lot of cool, um, a couple of museums to see, got a lot of things to do, got Doe's Eat Place, which you can eat at, which everybody raves about for steaks and that sort of thing. And again, this works all the way down. I mean, you've got uh, Vicksburg. Vicksburg, I mean, that's a whole weekend there with the military uh, cemetery. You've got, um, you know, wonderful houses to tour in Vicksburg. They've got a wonderful river museum there, uh, other things to do, and then work your way to Port Gibson, which was too beautiful to burn. Uh, they've got several things to do in Port Gibson, all the way to uh, Natchez, which, of course, is my hometown, and I can give you days to do down there, so I won't stick on Natchez, but Natchez, if you've never been, I please go see it, and then finally ended up in Woodville, which we have, we have a new commissioner from Woodville, and I, mean, I knew Woodville was a cool little town, and it kind of ties in with St. Francisville, the West Feliciana area that you're familiar with. You know, quick, you know, They really do a lot of joint right. things together. Uh, but man, they have a lot of stuff going on down there, including 
the only uh, a very beautiful and the bit largest waterfall mat in Mississippi wow, is just okay. outside of Woodville. So there are many many things to do, uh, and of course uh, Highway One wraps around to Rosedale uh, and other cities right there. And so if you want to do that uh, from Helena, wraps around to Rosedale and then back over around to uh, 61. And the Natchez Trace, which is not considered the Great River Road because it's an all-American road itself, but it is actually closer to the river south of Jackson all the way to Natchez, which is a beautiful, beautiful drive. Lots of sceneries, creeks, uh, you know, small waterfalls there that you can go see, all kind of wildlife, uh, beautiful houses that are up to, as you get closer to Natchez. I cannot stress this to you enough, and that's what, I, you know, I, that's what this com- the committee does. Go visit Mississippi. No I pun intended. I think it's a, visit Mississippi maybe a slogan, right? That is, and that's a yeah, tourism slogan. slogan. That's separate, separate than us. But I'm just but, saying, you're told, go visit. Go if visit. You I mean, weekend, I mean, if you have a few days. Yeah, I mean, people say, well, Hot Springs is awesome, and, and it is. And people go to, love to go to Nashville for a weekend. Right. It's an awesome city. You know, or maybe another quick uh, a trip, maybe people go to up to the uh, what's the Union, uh, Tennessee, where they have that wonderful museum up there. Hey, I understand. That's right. awesome for your kids. But I'm telling you, right here in Mississippi, two to three hours away, wonderful, wonderful activities. Of course, Natchez is about four and a half. That's an, uh, that would be have to be an overnight stay. But again, just if you need anything, please reach out to us. We'll be happy to tell you about it. And uh, Matt, that is my word from the, uh, the Time Off Collaborative. Yeah, if you care anything about music and have not visited the Grammy Museum, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful museum. I actually went, I had to take Hannah Grace down to a choir concert choir and so so for practice she had to come back that night so we i was there for four or five hours by myself and i went to the grammy museum and toured it all by myself could go slow and really enjoy that but i mean music um the state of mississippi has a massive history when it comes to music in the south in the in the u.s over the last 60 70 years and that's what the grammy yeah, museum is all yeah, about the grammy so. museum has like the, i mean you say quote unquote newer music the last right, 50 sure. years and they had the blues museum sure just what i mean uh, 45 minutes north right. of that in clarksdale which is everything starting around the 1900s i mean just uh you know all the blues artists are in there you yeah. can go see i mean they got the guitars they're what they wore they've got you know the rare photos so just a wonderful area uh, go down the great river road highway 61 highway one and enjoy it i'll switch it to visit mississippi period there you go, there go you see go. mississippi there's so much so wonderful beautiful amazing things to do in mississippi Derek, my word is a bit different i definitely wanted to mention the different things happening in the memphis area since our last show of course we recorded on monday released on tuesday and then on uh wednesday night um you know i'm wrapping up youth group and i'm i'm, I'm getting done with our usual wednesday night stuff and heather sends me a, a mention that just kind of says hey hustle home or get home or you know where's wilson let's get him home too and um you know, most people know what I'm talking about that are listening to this show. So my word for the weekend or my word from the break is going to be fear because it put a fear in all of us last Wednesday night when a 19-year-old person mm-hmm. decided to Facebook Live, decided to go on a carjacking and murdering rampage around the Memphis area and fear was, uh, I didn't know anything about it till 8 o'clock. His first killing was 1256. Yeah which is amazing to me that we didn't know anything for seven hours. We didn't know anything like that. If you don't know what I'm talking about here in the Mid-South, that's what happened last Wednesday. And between what we talked about on our Tuesday show, Derek, we talked about what had happened um, with Eliza Fletcher in Memphis. I think the city of Memphis and the Mid-South in this area uh, has definitely had a sense of fear for the last 10 days or so. And um, it just really uh, upsets me because fear does not win and evil does not win. Good is always going to uh, win versus evil. I was very moved 
moved and interested to see the number of people that turned out at four o'clock in the morning on Central Avenue last Friday morning. Heather went and ran with a group of ladies. I know there was another group of ladies that we know on the eastern side of town that all met up. Those are the type of things that are very inspiring to me because good people that have the same values, that have the uh, good is going to defeat evil mentality, we have to be strong. We have to um, be together to win. Fear is my word from the weekend because it definitely has been a part of this area for the last 10 days. And we have to uh, choose strength and choose to live in an area where law and order matters and people can't just do those things. We have to live in an area, a part of the country to where if someone is sentenced to XYZ, they serve XYZ. And that's just another you know, some people might be listening to this show and be thinking that I'm having a political talk. That's just common sense talk to me, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, fear is my word from the weekend. It's not one of our typical joyful ones that we typically do. Um, but UTW podcast listeners, please know, I said it yesterday at the table service, good defeats evil every time. The battle has been won. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we can be in eternity with him. And we have to not allow fear to uh, overrun us in in Hernando, the Mid-South, the the U.S., all across the world. Uh, We have to win, and good is going to defeat evil. It is very scary, uh, but as you said, that you know the the good has won, and um, you know we can't stop living our life. We've got to live a life, and you know just hope the police do a job. Of course, South Haven police were involved right. uh, directly in the ca- in the capture, and so we thank them and anybody listening that you know that would be involved with the South Haven Police Department. Thank you so much for. I mean, there was a reason he turned around and went back to Memphis, right? Because I mean, he was he was probably too nervous, too scared to go any further south. He just grabbed a car, went back north, and then of course was called. And this was like again, this is not a political talk. It's not a black and white talk. We have to elect people and be behind people that think the same way we do from a standpoint of safety. Mm -hmm. Our our families, our businesses, our churches, our homes have to be safe. And we need to elect people, push people to be in leadership positions that have those same type feelings. I I was in an Uber on Friday with a very nice young lady in her mid-20s, born and raised in Memphis, and she was just disgusted Mm -hmm. with what has happened and what the last 10 days have been like. And, um, you know, Memphis people should be angry and upset and say no more. And um, I'm hoping that they don't live in fear. And again, part of that fear is talking about politics, political fear of what may happen to you should you say the right thing. And that's a, you know, that's another another way to put it. And now look, if you listen to our show for a while, we typically don't talk a lot about political things or choose one way or the other on type stuff, uh, Derek. And part of that's going to be our alderman meeting. Thank you to the board of aldermen. Thank you to the mayor for uh, back to back days of alderman meetings. Catch us up on that, Derek. Since our last show, the meeting from last Tuesday, and then also a Wednesday meeting, further uh, non adjourned meeting for budgets. Go ahead. Yes, the last Tuesday regular scheduled board meeting. Uh, we're going to go pretty quickly through this because there is a lot of stuff to cover. Plus, again. And as Matt mentioned, there will be two meetings that will make up our news portion of this week. Uh, So uh, the first thing they did, Matt, this is going to be, I know you're going to be so excited for this. September 26th through September 30th will be Stormwater Awareness Week. Stormwater Awareness Week. I mean, that's just Uh, added to the calendar. Uh, Yes. I mean, let's put that in our shout outs and so (laughs) forth. Is Jackson, Mississippi water? (laughs) They'd kill for some stormwater right now. Any water. Any water. Uh, did you, I saw a tweet or something. The lady, did you see it with the lady said, this is my water in Jackson? Oh, yeah, I saw that. that Basically, was it was coffee. It looked exactly yeah. what it looked like. Coffee looked like was coming coffee. out. She but, was getting, yeah, her, her, her kitchen sink was now a Keurig. So, <laughs> I mean, that's how it works. September 26th to September 30th will be Storm Water Awareness Week. Next, there was an Excel by 5 MOU. Not really much discussion on that. It was passed. 
Next was the uh, animal shelter loan for $785,000, looking to bid it out to different banks to try to get the lowest bid and see, you know, kind of what the best rate would be. But a motion was made by uh, Alderman Chad Wicker to table the discussion to put the loan uh, out to bid until the budget meetings on the next night. So he said, look, this is kind of part of the budget. I have some questions. We could do this now, but I'd kind of like to make it, you know, part of the budget talk the next night. So it was tabled uh, and pushed to Wednesday night. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Next, the old fire engine that we talked about uh, on our last Tuesday show was deemed surplus, and then it was offered to Duck Hill for $5,000. The only thing that was kind of changed in that, a motion was made to put the $5,000 toward the principle of loan debt. So not just to throw it in the general fund, but to actually use that, uh, I guess, you know, the proceeds made from the sale of that fire truck to put toward loan debt. The next uh, item on the agenda, the USDA Forestry Grant Program. There was a potential to get this grant for a $20,000 grant to help bring the code enforcement officer to a full-time position. So uh, in the budget, there was going to be a full-time position added for a code enforcement officer. And so this would help toward that salary, uh, $20,000 toward that salary. Uh, It is shown in the budget uh, that was going to be discussed tonight night and would help to offset that. That was approved. The next, the city uh, obviously then approved to apply for the MDEQ grant. We talked about this. This is the MDEQ that you have to go ahead and apply for to get the ARPA funds. Obviously, something they did. They approved it. Next one was uh, they approved the $273,433.55 for the lowest bid for the Fort Creek and Creekside Boulevard projects. So this was uh, shown in the, in the proposed budget. So, again, if you're in those neighborhoods, they will be looking to do that uh, for that project. Tegra Medical was next. We mentioned this. This is the uh, – they were actually for the tax exemption, Correct. one for five years, one for nine years. Uh, that was passed, but that, again, does not include school tax. Correct. They will continue to pay the school tax. The next, the sewer trunk line for Hernando West MOU for cap loan to fund it. So this was needed to be done. In other words, we know it's coming. They've already approved it. They've got the loan, and but they actually had to uh, do the MOU because it was part of the approval process. Uh, that was needed to be done to start the funding. Next, the Dogwood Hollow sewer project. Uh, it was approved to advertise for those improvements, so that'll be coming up here the next 30 days for uh, advertisement. Next was the Chapel Grove water line, and this is the water line down Robinson Gen Road, the new subdivision coming in uh, right there across from the ball fields. The developer will put in the line, but again, the city had to figure out the right-of-ways, and so they go ahead and, and told you know Joe Frank Lauderdale to go ahead and start securing those right-of-ways so they can go ahead and get that, uh, you know, be able to get that, whether they have to pay for it, some kind of in-kind something, and then the uh, then developer can go in there and put the water line in, which the, de- the developer will pay for the water line in full. That was approved. Next one was the AWG construction bond release. The city got a grant to building the fire sus- suppression tank on that property. So you saw, like, you, there's a little mini water tower. Uh, on the property just for the AWG building. The city got a grant for that, uh, you know, to make sure that they built it. The bond will release the tank from the city, and AWG will have to take care of it going forward. The water comes from the Nesbitt water system, not the Hernando water system, and feeds their building as the sprinkler system in the building. So, again, this is now no longer, the city will have no longer to do anything to do with that little, basically they call it a water suppression, that little water tank that's out there on AWG. The next one was the traffic study for Mackinville and Commerce. This was, I would say, the, the one of the longest topics of the meeting. All right, so the guy from Wagoneer first was did not show up for the presentation when he was first supposed to talk. He did come show up later in the meeting because he was coming from somewhere else. So what they were looking at mainly is the northbound lane on Mackinville turning left onto Commerce Street. It backs Zaxby's up. Zaxby's on your left. The bank on your left. Uh, all that stuff. All that stuff right there. So how that backs up, especially Correct. in the AM. Yes. What are we going to do about that? Yes. And so what 
they're saying is is that a dual left turn lane would help the situation. So, in other words, making two lanes, both turning left at the same time. Because currently there's three lanes. Mm-hmm. One turn, two go, go forward. Two go north. Kind and of a waste act. on the right lane, if we're being honest. That's really just a turn into yeah. basically Arby's and Guaranteed sure. Bank. Or sure. actually Heritage Jokes. It does turn up in that neighborhood. That's where it ends. 300 yards down the road. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's, that's as long as it is. So a dual left turn lane would help the situation. Several accidents have happened at the intersection with people yielding to the green light. So, again, Correct. you have a turning signal, but once it turns green – if you know, as people aren't coming straight, you can still turn left, you know, for a certain amount of time. But of course, people are trying to either beat a light or whatever. There's a lot of accidents that have happened there. Yes. So the study suggests doing two turning lanes, mm-hmm. but to have a separate light for the left turn that would uh, go when people went north and then turn red and not allow people to yield through it as the southbound traffic started coming through okay. after that. So again, it would be a designated. Two lanes turning left with a light that would turn red, no longer allowing you to yield through it. And podcast listeners, always remember the city determines this one. This That's is not correct. an MDOT situation. MDOT runs the ones within 100 yards of the interstate, interstate but not this one. This is a city-owned uh, and, and run um, situation. So I like that idea. Yeah, but the Wagner, but by doing this, though, this would cause eastbound traffic. To have to wait a little. So if okay. you're going east God from forbid. the interstate, God forbid. going toward Walmart, <laughs> that's now going to right. start backing up. Light timing would not necessarily be longer, so the traffic may back uh, back up east or west now. Now, he did mention, of course, the morning is the peak time of traffic, the second being, of course, the 5 a.m., the p.m. traffic. All the traffic going northbound long term, uh, another lane northbound may also be needed. So that one that ends at 300, right. you may have to take that going north, especially when the uh, the new high school opens and you've got now Oak Grove being moved to the middle school, the middle school moving to the high school, and then the new you know high school all the way up Mackinville, depending on how many people use that and not that don't use Jaybird or don't use 51 to go to Green Tea and cut over. All something else they said, maybe you may need a full two lanes going north on Mackinville along with two turning lanes, which that's a – I mean, but, that's a lot of right-of-way issues. Yeah. If you're going to the new Hernando High School and not jumping on the interstate, I mean, come well, on. Well, I, I know. I mean, just, I, this, just use this, that. Just, right. That's that's right. Um, another thing that mentioned, there are businesses that will be affected. So if you start backing up on the east side, how are you going to get out of sure. Sonic? 100%. How are you going to get out of Bank Plus? Yes. How you, you know, days in, people stay the days in trying to get out of there, especially in the morning time if they're trying to leave their hotel room, heading north, heading south on business. What if we What if we do the turning lane? What if we do the turning light at that for a longer period of time? Well, just I mean, that's a thought. Yeah, that, well, and so an, another uh, one of the aldermen also said, hey, look, now the people using Sonic may just have to come out sure. at on Machiavelli and then use the turning lines because right. now it's, it's got two of them going that Is way. Is that fat shaming? <laughs> oh, no. you said back you said back you said something about being backed up what about back that thing up what a great song uh, what a jam it's a, a, a wonderful it's song. a wonderful song if you don't know that song something's wrong with it <laughs> is it called back that thing up or what use uh, it no it's, it's a not thing Oh, he's a fine young woman. Oh, my bad. Yeah, okay, not thing. It's Peace not thing. My bad. My bad. But, you know, it's got a couple of uh, couple dollar signs. <laughs> dollar sign. Oh, there dude. you go. Cover dollar. It was sign made for work. dollar signs, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. Um, so, and then of course the businesses there were an issue. Right, sure. Then also an issue is the fact that we can all agree to this: the state does determine, as you mentioned, the lights in and around the interstate. They are not timed correctly. Correct. Yeah. They are all over the place. You've got going, coming, turning. Uh, you know, left, turning on McCracken, turning off McCracken. You get off the interstate, you immediately have to slam on your brakes because that light right there turns red. So there's a lot of stuff going on. 
the the mayor mentioned that there is discussions right now on retiming those lights. And so the guy, from, the, the the gentleman from Wagoneer said, "Hey, look, you may want to have." But, you know, us in discussions with them to try to maybe tie all of this together. Yes. Hey, you know, the city's doing these lights over here, maybe looking. And so whenever this is all done, we need to have a, a complex plan looking at making sure the state times these to also match the one uh, over here at Commerce in McInville. So uh, what they asked for is him to bring it back again with those conversations to see what, and they want a possible cost associated right now with just the two northbound turning lines. Restriping the two turning lanes, changing the light out for having two turns, that type of stuff, yeah. So yeah. that that's so they're gonna. I mean, we don't know how long it's gonna take, but they ask him to bring it back. So sometime in the you know upcoming months, he'll bring that back with a. Again, they're not gonna look to bid it out yet. They just want to see, okay, how much will this cost, and you know, and because we got to have a long term solution. For oh, this absolutely. Problem. I mean, I like it. I mean, good for the board knowing it's an issue. Um, like you said, wrecks have been happening there. Uh, let's get it fixed and see what we can do. And it's gonna be frustrating for everybody the changes, but uh, let's get it done and kind of try and get that northbound traffic uh, off of McInville as quick as we can. All right, next was the water tower graphics. So this was something that was kind of thrown in there pretty quickly before the meeting happened. The east water tower was supposed to be painted. However, structural beam issues were found uh, in that elevated tank. So they will actually switch from going there. So they already had the people hired. They are already were getting ready to do something. When they realized, okay, we can't work on this tank, we're going to move them to another tank, they went ahead and bumped up the painting of the water tower at I-55, the main one that everybody sees. Uh, it is currently, if you've seen it, I know, Matt, you've seen it, it's being pressure washed over the last week or so. And so the change w- was asked to be done quickly. So the question was, what do we want it to say? Yeah, so it looks all, very is, nice already done. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the pressure washing looks great, but that's like, okay, this is the main one everybody sees. So when yes. you're going north and south, this is the one you see. What do we want it to say to, to represent our city, to advertise for the city? And so there's a lot of stuff thrown away. And does it need to say Hernando, home of the Tigers? Does it need to say uh, have paw prints on it? What does it need to, you know, they, they Alderman wanted to have something unique and different to be able to celebrate Hernando. And so they kind of went back and forth, had some ideas, and basically left it to Alderwoman Natalie Lynch to uh, take over the design of the water tower, what it would look like as long as it didn't cost too much money, and to basically have her pick it out, have her kind of go with the, the, a final design to recommend to the alderman, and they would kind of approve it uh, yes. just by email or whatever. She did that, uh, reached out to her over the weekend, said that they did get it approved, and that the water tower will say Hernando, Obviously. so the word Hernando, yes. right, in a, in a certain font, and underneath will say Home of the Tigers, and there will be a paw print on each side of the home of the tigers. Very good. Is so, it a is it a tiger paw? Is it going to be a or is it going to be like a dog paw? Because we have such an awesome animal shelter. I'm going to say because we do have the best animal shelter. I mean, when it when it's we said will done, we will. Yeah. You but, know what I'm thinking it needs to have there? Uh, Billy Bob loves Charlene. Oh, and John Deere <laughs> Green. Great Only in John Deere Green. Now, <laughs> Can look, we please? Because that would hey, Billy Bob loves Charlene <laughs> would be awesome. Like and if you're like in people, on the joke, everybody over the age of 35 would yes. love that joke. Great song. Uh, R.I.P. Joe Diffie, by the way. R.I.P. Joe Diffie. Yep. And and we would also need to make sure we had on public record that they wanted him to paint it in red, right, yes. but he chose John Deere That's Green. That's it. I love it. I mean, there you go. <laughs> Billy, Billy Bob loves Charlene. Go listen to the song. <laughs> but uh, alas, we're not going to have that. We will have Hernando with Home of the Tigers, two paw prints. It's going to be in black, all black, because yes. if you chose more than one color, it was 
a lot more money. So, And that paint's going to be good for 8 to 10 years. Okay. The final thing on the budget uh, for the Tuesday night meeting was a discussion of the public works budget. Go ahead and iron out the issues to then send it to Wednesday night. So what the, uh, the public works director, what he's asked for, he was asking for a full-time field inspector engineer and four more employees along with that for five new employees total. This, these would be for subdivision and infrastructure inspections to keep up with the new developments. And the salary for the engineer, uh, that would be the full-time, would be $80,000. Next, he was asking for outsourcing uh, about $40,000 to $50,000 in additional money for outsourcing for water repairs. And this is something they had discussed before about, hey, look, when we have these water leaks, instead of us spending time, trying, let's just outsource that. It's going to be cheaper. They can get it done where we can you know, keep our resources on other things. Uh, so they had, he added that to his budget. The ARPA matching grant is going to be requested to test the sewer lines in the old part of town to see what the issues are. So they are going to apply for that grant. If they get it, of course, they'll have to have a 20% match. That was uh, in there, but that is something that definitely needs to be done because we see what happens when you have old water lines, i.e. Jackson. Correct. Um, next, uh, his capital expenditures were down a decent amount since they no longer had to budget $250,000 in tractors that were purchased last year. Um, they also had a loan payoff for a brush truck. So his capital expenditures went down a couple couple hundred thousand dollars. Not much other on the salary increases. Of course, he's asking for five new positions. All the other ones were set at 4% like the mayor had requested. Uh, and then the uh, moved the employees that were under $15 an hour to $15 an hour. That did happen? That did happen. That was basically the end of the Tuesday meeting. Now, we'll say this. After the Tuesday meeting, a new finance director was hired in executive session. Executive excuse session me, yes. In the executive session, Matt, that moves us right into the Wednesday night budget meeting. So again, we have heard from every department. We covered it all for you the last couple of weeks. The public works was the last one that had to be looked at. It was looked at Tuesday. So on Wednesday night, the alderman met again to discuss the budget as a whole and looking to possibly approve it. The first thing they discussed was the tabled bidding of the loan for the animal shelter. Now, the cost left is $855,000. We've, we've talked about this before. Now, and remember, it was supposed to be funded for two thirty-five dollars from an old bond, the rest from a loan. However, it had been fa- it found out a lot of the McInville asphalt had been used out of that bond. And so instead of having $235,000 left, they had $85,000 left. Ooh. Now, this loan amount requested is, that's why the, the loan amount requested the night before was 785000 and that's why Alderman Wicker had wanted it to be tabled, because he said, look, I understand I signed off on all these purchase orders, we, you know, we, that's part of the consent agenda, I say yes, that, uh, you know, that, you know, we, we've seen this, we reviewed it, and we've signed off on that these, you know, I did not realize it was coming from there, I'm not sure if others realized it was coming from that, I mean, it is what it is, it's been spent, we had to spend it, but... You know, going forward, I hope there's a little more clarity on that. So because of that, they have about 85000 left. The mayor suggested they go ahead and apply for a loan for 800 even and only spend what they need. But, you know, don't they don't want to have to come back and ask for more money. Doc Harris made a motion for $800,000 loan to be bid out. Advertised an $800,000 loan. Gotcha. That's right. And so it was approved unanimously. So then after that, that was the one kind of thing carried over from the night before. The public hearing for the budget discussion started and possibility of approval was announced. The mayor laid out that all of the departments had been heard from, that they were here to hide any issues. Uh, Alderman Wicker submitted a revised budget and asked about the salary port showing as a loan. Now, there's a $350,000 loan shown for the salary port. Comments were made about the two loans and how the city had not borrowed heavily in the past. So, again, there's going to be a loan for the animal shelter, a loan for the salary port. The city has, it's been a few years since they've, you know, they've done bonds before for, right. you know, issues, but actual, you know, straight up bank loans other than for like the, a fire truck and an ambulance. These are the largest one they've done, you know, in several years. 
not something they want to do. However, they've had some other stuff roll off. They went ahead and, and said that these are in there, and so those were kept in there. The mayor reminded them the general fund, uh, there was $400,000. So uh, Doc Harris asked a question. He said, hey, remind me, why are we only putting $400,000 for overlays? And the mayor said, nope, that's not correct. There's $2.8 million uh, for, set aside for McInvale. 2.2 of that will be funded from a grant. Correct. So 600000 will have to be spent from this, the general budget to fund that. 400000 is put for general overlay, so that's a million dollars. And then there will be a um, – there's an internet use tax. will provide another $1.5 million for overlays. So in total, there's over $4 million for overlays, including the large McInnesville Road project north of 69, and $1.9 million for local overlays, which has been the most in, I mean, maybe ever. Yes. Uh, so again, uh, plenty of money there for overlays. Now, not saying they ha- may have to divert it for something else, but right now that is what is currently shown. Alderman Robinson then asked for the budget that was presented to be amended to, in- to add alternate two for the police raise. So remember, the uh, chief had come back and said, hey, look, I want the 4%, and I want every, all the positions to be raised $2, uh, you, know, f- uh, you know, for the patrol officers, for the majors, lieutenants, everybody should be raised $2 to try to meet the other cities in the town. And he said, and also, I want to give you another alternate that actually adds another dollar. Well, Bruce Robinson asked for the highest, the most expensive right. alternate to be added to the budget that would be voted on. And there was some discussions on that. It was 140,752 difference. Uh, Alderman Harris asked if the revenues are conservative. So the revenues that were expected for the city, the, the mayor said, yeah, I've kept the sales tax flat. So, you know, Alderman Harris said, well, if it's flat, that may mean, we, you know, we probably, we've always kind of beat it here over the last few years. So there may be more money there. They talked about setting the contingency as a budget line item. Remember, they want to get that to six months. We're at two and a half months now. They said, hey, look, instead of saying, well, whatever we have left over, let's say, look, we want 850 this year. We want a million next year. And we can set that as a quote-unquote expense item, which makes us save for that. Everybody thought that was a great idea, so they're going to put it around 850 this year. And so they want to really want to watch that going forward, and they ask for quarterly updates on where they are with their contingency. Sure. So that's something that you may see over the next year. Alderman Piper then uh, mentioned that he wanted to land in the middle of some of the alternates. So as they're getting closer to kind of, the, you know, is there a motion to be made? He said, look, I understand we want to do all this stuff, but I'd rather land in the middle. I want to make sure we can t- keep our contingency. Uh, Alderman Robinson then said, he then made a motion to approve the budget that was now presented, including police alternate two, with the highest increase and the salaries discussed during the executive session and all 4% raises. So that's what the motion that was made. It was seconded by Doc Harris. And on a roll call vote, it was 4-2, to two, Alderman Piper and Alderman Wicker voting no. But of course, with the 4-2 to two vote, the budget was passed for 2022-2023. This will be announced with no tax increase at the same time, and you should should see that advertisement this week since, of course, it needs to be made known by September 15th. All those little intricate things. I mean, a lot of moving around and different things. Gosh, again, I I will always – you'll never see me running for alderman or something like that. Um, That's just not going to happen. That's just – nope, not not interesting to me. But I thank you to all those people that do look at those things. I mean, Natalie Lynch could sit there and look at a uh, spreadsheet or a budget sheet for hours and not – 
fall asleep like I would. I would have checked out <laughs> after about three minutes. So approving the budget for 2022-23. Here we go. We're off and running. The fiscal year starts October 1st. And, um, you know, here we are. Let's move forward uh, for the for the um, the overlays and all the different things that they said. My most important thing, Derek, is getting the water tower painted. Let's get this done. Let's get <laughs> this pause on there. Thank you, men and women, for uh, everything you do when it comes to the Board of Aldermen and city business. We definitely appreciate that. Podcast brought to you by Holland Insurance. Holland Insurance was founded in 1981 and has been staffed with local industry experts who are eager to make a difference in every life they touch. Working with some of the largest insurance companies in the world nationwide, Liberty Mutual, Progressive, Travelers, Safeco, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Humana, Aetna, simply give Holland Insurance your budget, what your needs are, what your insurance needs are, and they try and pair you up with the best company when it comes to working on your property, casualty, health, life, or auto. Give Bruce Robinson or Jerry Holland a call today at 662-895-5528. Again, that's 662-895-5528. Located in South Haven, but ready to serve anyone in DeSoto County. Call them today, 662-895-5528. Holland Insurance. Derek actually had an opportunity to visit with a lady who works in Memphis, but she lives in Hernando, lives uh, in an apartment here in Hernando, has a six-year-old child, and uh, she mentioned to me just earlier, about an hour and a half ago, hey, never been there, but we uh, went to the farmer's market for the first time. I didn't tell her that they advertised with us or tell her anything like that, and she raved about the farmer's market for two or three minutes, and so it felt really good to listen about our seasonal sponsor, the Hernando Farmer's Market. She said we will definitely be back possibly every weekend, and um, really, really excited. Her six-year-old child had a wonderful time and so again always a shout out to Gia Matheny and their team for transforming the Hernando Square every Saturday morning to our seasonal sponsor the Hernando Farmers Market it's a place to shop it's a place to gather but more importantly it's a rare chance to experience the rich simplicity of a Mississippi small town it's truly a fresh local experience now with over 50 vendors on the historic Hernando Square each and every Saturday morning from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., the Hernando Farmer's Market welcomes Clayton Farms, Jones Orchard, Kills Country Market, 6N Tubbs Bagels, Precision Sharp, Miss Pat's Homemade Pound Cakes and Yeast Breads. Those are just some of the vendors every Saturday morning ready to serve anyone any age looking for something, get out to the Hernando Farmer's Market this Saturday. It'll run all the way through October, and then they'll do a special Farmer's Market for the Dickens of a Christmas that Derek and I will begin to talk about quite a bit in the coming weeks, coming months. Thank you to our seasonal sponsor, the wonderful asset that is the Hernando Farmer's Market. Get out this Saturday, 8 to 1, and support the Hernando Farmer's Market. So no DeSoto County shout-outs from last week, So, but Derek, our Tuesday show always talks us to the DeSoto County Fact of the Week brought to you by Rob Long and his staff at the DeSoto County Museum, open 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, across the street from Bancorp South on Commerce Street. Admission is always free. They have wonderful exhibits, wonderful memorabilia from the past when it comes to DeSoto County. Please consider getting out today and supporting the DeSoto County Museum. Derek, tell us all about the fact of the week that Rob Long gave to us today. Well, Matt, with the recent crime wave that we you talked about in your uh, word from the, the break uh, in Memphis, it's interesting to note that Mississippi had the nation's second lowest crime rate 57 years ago, North Dakota being the safest. This is according to the Times Promoter of June 1965. However, there have been a number of shocking crimes in Hernando over the years, none more famous than the murder of Bill Savage. The movie Natural Born Killers came out in 1994. Less than a year later, 18-year-old Sarah Edmondson and her boyfriend Benjamin Doris dropped acid and watched the movie and then went on a killing spree. 
One of those killed was Savage, a cotton gin manager at the cotton gin just outside of town on Highway 304. Native son John Grisham, representative plaintiffs in a case brought against filmmaker Oliver Stone for producing a film that invited violence. The couple was convicted of the murders, but the case against the filmmaker Stone was later dismissed by a court after it had been allowed to work its way through some levels of the court system after appeals. Grisham himself, a great novelist, wanted to hold Oliver Stone accountable. Grisham argued even filmmakers had a responsibility for violent films they produced. The court said that movies in themselves nor directors could not be tried based on their subject. Grisham and his clients lost the case, but he did win the respect of all people victimized by senseless violence that had been mimicked from shows. Uh, Rob has all the articles available from the aspects of the crime and trial at the DeSoto County Museum for anyone who wants to learn more. Matt, when he was sending me this information, I'm talking about eight to ten visual text of different papers covering not only what happened, the, the horrible, horrible thing that happened to uh, Mr. Savage, but then all of the stuff basically from 95 through 98 through all the appeals that were covered with you know John Grisham. And I guess what's a little ironic about it, of course, is you know, then John's book started getting sold for movie right deals. Don't think Oliver Stone's ever going to pick up one of his books. I'm yeah. just, just going to say that. All right. I'd, I'd say that's probably not going to happen. I mean, Derek, uh, you know, part of our DeSoto County Fact of the Week uh, sometimes are uh, you know, topics that, that do make us uncomfortable. I mean, he sent this to us right. because of I mean, what's been going on. Absolutely. He said, look, this is something that people need to be aware of. This was 25 years ago where this horrendous thing happened. And then, of course, for three years, the nation was looking – at Hernando, yes. at, at uh, John Grisham, who was a recently, a very newly published author, still practicing attorney, who was going after Hollywood. Yes. Uh, so just a, a shocking thing happened in Hernando just you know 25 years ago. So just something he wanted to kind of, that was on topic, and Rob usually does a great job sending us some things like that on every now and then. And so we really do appreciate just the information, not, not the subject matter, of course, but the fact that he has all of this archived for anyone that wants to learn more about it at the DeSoto County Museum. At the museum, 9 to 5, every Tuesday through Saturday, across the street from Bancorp South, on Commerce Street, a wonderful, wonderful asset to the city of Fernando, Rob Long and his staff with the DeSoto County Museum. Podcast is brought to you by the DeSoto Family Dental Care, which has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, as well as Invisalign. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. Please visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. UTW Podcast continues to be brought to you by one of our longest-running sponsors, Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and so much more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs, whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, gate repair, fence repair, Grading of your property. Let Richard come out. Take a look at the project. No job too small. No job too large. If Richard can't do the project, he'll help you find someone who can. Call him today at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Find more information about Richard and his team at WilliamsLawnMaintenance.com. And you can always find out more on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Again, that's Williams Lawn Services 
on Facebook. I'll continue to say it. Richard is the kind of guy that you want involved when it comes to projects around your home or your office. Wonderful guy, former veteran, someone you can trust, definitely looking to grow his business. Call Richard today, 662-292-8855. Well, Derek, we missed it last Friday, obviously, with our day off or taking that show off. So let's go ahead and catch everybody up on sports that have happened, volleyball, soccer, football, definitely, that has taken place since our last show last Tuesday. Since the last show, the Lady Trojans were looking for their first district win of the season as they welcomed St. George's to Claire Cox Field. Soccer. Girl soccer. soccer. Yes. Girl soccer. The game was a tight throughout, and regular time ended in a 1-1 tie with Hayden Moneymaker having the only goal. Since a district game cannot end in a tie, the game went straight to penalty kicks to determine the outcome. In PKs, the Lady Trojans could not find the back of the net and lose 2-0 on PKs, making the final score 3-1. The Trojans are now 6-4, 0-3 overall, and will next take on Harding tonight, Tuesday night, at home. Moving on to Lewisburg Volleyball. Lewisburg had two matches since our last show, the first being against Olive Branch at Olive Branch Last Tuesday, the Lady Patriots wasted a little time putting away the Lady Keisters, winning the match 25-7, 25-10, and 25-4. That put the Patriots over five. You, you want to crank the bus early on that one. That is a, that's an early bus cranker. <laughs> but but that, that third set, you're like, yeah, let's, let's yeah. go ahead and just get everybody in. No, everybody you, you, get in. Yeah, if your parents are there, they're already making dinner plans because that's <laughs> that. Yeah, that's early. Yeah. So the Lady Patriots are now over 500 for the first time on the season with a 10 and nine record and two and zero in district. The Keisters then welcomed a much tougher test on Thursday in Carville as they came to the Berg. The match started off promising with Lewisburg winning the first set 25-21. The Lady Dragons came back and took the second set 25-22 and then the third set 25-18. Needing to win the fourth set to force a deciding set, the Lady Patriots came up short and lose the final set 25-18 and the match 3-1. Lewisburg falls back to 500 at 10-10 and 2-0 in district. The next play at Lafayette Tuesday night. Moving to Hernando Volleyball. Hernando also had two matches since our last show. In the first match, Hernando faced off against DeSoto Central. It was not a good day for the Lady Tigers. DeSoto Central took the match 25-16, 25-21, and 25-14. This dropped the Lady Tigers' record to 6-4 and 3-0 in district. In the second match of the week, the Lady Tigers traveled to Center Hill with the Lady Mustangs looking for revenge from a loss last month. This would be a tougher test than the first match. The Lady Tigers took the first set 25-23, but lose the next two sets 21-25 and 19-25. The Lady Tigers needed to win the fourth set, and they did 25-22 to force the final and deciding set. Hernando was able to take that final set 15-7 and wins the match 3-2. Mary Catherine Couch had four aces and 18 digs. Amberly Holly had 29 assists. Irby Norris had 17 kills. Hernando is now 7-4, and 3-0 on the season, and will next play South Panola at home Tuesday night before traveling to South Panola Thursday night. These are both district games as your Lady Tigers look to stay perfect in district. Get out and try and see the uh, Hernando Lady Tigers. I'm assuming JV at 5, Varsity at 6, kind of the way you do it. That's kind of the way you do it. And yeah. man, it sounds like uh, both matches will be JV. This is uh, should not yeah. be a tough test for the Lady Tigers. So if you want to see a win, maybe a good night to come out and see it. Yeah, South Panola, they do fine in, in volleyball, but they're not a juggernaut by any nope. stretch. The Tigers should win that one. So let's see what happens. Come out and support the Lady Tigers uh, Tuesday night in the uh, in the Tiger gym. 
All right, next, moving on to football. Now, Matt, we were not able to preview these games. Uh, nope. so we And there's one I'm going to mention, the second uh, game we covered. Really wish we could have had that mascot battle royale. We'll get to that in just a second. We're going to fly through the first game. Uh, go right ahead. Well, <laughs> we're going to fly through as fast <laughs> as possible. The Trojans entered the game, Friday night game, 2-1, and one, and we're looking to improve on that against Middle College out of Memphis. The Trojans won the toss and took the ball and marched down the field and got on the board first when Noah Oibuki scored from seven yards out. After each team traded fumbles, the Trojans got the ball back, and Jack Patterson hits Gray Patterson on a beautiful 63-yard bomb in stride to take a 14-0 lead. The rain started after that, and the Bulldogs were driving down the field when Alex Musgrave intercepted it at the 13-yard line and took it back 87 yards on the pick six. The Bulldogs then fumbled the kickoff in the rain, and the Trojans recovered, and Connor McNatt punched it in for the two-yard line for the 28-0 lead. The Tro- Trojans force another three and out, and then on the last play of the half, Jack Patterson runs it in for five yards out as time expired on the half. The score at the half was 35-0, and there was a running clock the rest of the game. In the second half, Patterson hits Christian Gillen on a 14-yard TD pass, and then backup quarterback K.L. Farr hits Harrison Nowell on a 13-yard TD pass to put the score at 49 49-0. The Bulldogs do get on the board as the game ends, much like the first half with a score with just under a minute and a two-point conversion as the time expired since the clock was still running. The final score, 49-8. The Trojans are now 3-1. and We'll have a bye this week, and then we'll have two road games after that. Next, Matt, the Lewisburg welcomed the Kosciuszko Whippets. The fact that we did not discuss a football game between yes. the Patriots and the Whippets is – that's a missed opportunity. Considering we don't know what a whippet is. A whippet is I think a, we talked about it's last a year. greyhound dog. That's right. A whippet's a greyhound dog. A greyhound dog. So a whippet. That's probably not the the right – I mean, that's called a whippet. I mean, do you uh, – wow. How'd they get that name? I, I have to look, Sounds I have barbaric, to, Derek. I have to look as that As much up. as I love the animal shelter, I mean, I'm offended by this. <laughs> You're offended by I'm the offended whippets? By, yeah, the fact that it's a dog and it's called the whippets, uh, I'm offended. I see where you're going. Yeah, you see what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. I'm very offended by that. Yeah, that, that Did could, I tell you how we can probably pay for the entire uh, animal shelter? Should I say that again? No, let's so, not so say, animal say this. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, also, <laughs> that, that's probably a lot worse than whipping animals. Go back and look, go back and listen to that show. I had, I had the entire thing figured <laughs> out. We would we would definitely have the animal shelter funded, paid for. No need for a loan. <laughs> okay. So moving on with the Patriots versus the Whippets. Uh, and the Patriots are looking to stay perfect on the season. Lewisburg starts the scoring off as Gunnar Gilmore hits Matthew Osteen on a 16-yard touchdown pass. The extra point by Lucas Gatchk was good. Kosciuszko responds later in the quarter with a TD of their own and then follows up with another TD right before halftime to take a 13-7 lead after the second extra point is blocked by the Patriots. In the second half, Gunnar Gilmore punches it in from the one-yard line right at the end of the third quarter to take a 14-13 lead for the Patriots. But just three minutes in the game time later, Kosciuszko scores again on the third TD of the game by Caden Greer but they fumble the two-point conversion, and they take a 19-14 lead with 10 minutes left. The defenses take over from there as Lewisburg gets the ball back with 2.45 left and had to travel 92 yards to try to get the win. Lewisburg goes three and out, but Kosciuszko then fumbles the ball, and Lewisburg gets the ball back with less than two minutes left, but Greer throws a pick with two seconds left, and the game ends in a 19-14 Patriots loss. The Patriots are now 2-1, and one, 0-0 in district on the season and are off next week with homecoming happening in two weeks. So like North Point, Patriots, enjoy the week off. 
Finally, Hernando football. Hernando traveled to Grenada on Friday night to take on a perennial tough Charger team, with Hernando also trying to stay perfect on the season. This will be a defensive struggle. The Tigers take an early lead with a field goal by Jackson Usselton. Grenada then ties the game with a field goal with 8.34 in the second quarter. The Tigers then get a huge pick six by Andrew Wood to take a 10-3 lead after halftime. Late in the third quarter, Grenada gets a long touchdown run, but the Tigers block the extra point and keep the 10-9 lead. In the fourth, the Tigers increase their lead to 13-9 with another Usselton field goal, and the defense forces a three and out and then recovers a fumble with 3.33 left to try and close out the game. However, they are only able to take about 90 seconds off the clock, and the Chargers get the ball back. The Hernando defense finally breaks down in the second half and gives up a long TD pass for the Chargers to take a 15-13 lead with 139 left. The Tigers are not able to pick up a first down and lose a heartbreaker 15-13. The Tigers fall to 2-1 and and will face off against Malvern, Arkansas at home this Friday. Now, Matt, Malvern are the Leopards. The Leopards. So can't Ooh, wait, that's a good one. Can't wait to break down that mascot well, that's battle the only, That's the Friday. only game we can talk about. Because Lewisburg's off and North Point's off. That's it. While this show's a little bit long, our Friday show may be a little bit shorter because from a football standpoint, only have one game we to have talk about. We have one game to preview. Shout out to all the DeSoto County teams that we cover. Congratulations to North Point. Continuing to roll. Tough loss by the Lewisburg Patriots and the Hernando Tigers. Definitely had a tough loss as well. Evelyn was part of a little cheer clinic on Saturday, so those uh, kids will be uh, performing oh, on nice. Friday night. So should be, hopefully, the weather will be nice. It'll be a wonderful night out. It's also a blackout. Oh, it is and a blackout. Well, that was announced right. again. It's a blackout. Right. It is a blackout. So wear black on Friday when you come out for the Hernando Tiger football game against Malvern, Arkansas, who is undefeated. So looking forward oh, to that. Yeah, they are undefeated. Pretty darn good football team. Looking forward to that this coming Friday night. Look, if you enjoy our show, our talk about Auburn meetings, our talk about facts of the week or different things that you didn't know about DeSoto County or know about Hernando, please share the show. Each and every Tuesday and Friday, share it with friends, family, wherever you listen to our show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Give us a five-star review and then turn right around and share it with friends and family. Help us continue to grow each and every week. You can also find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. If you enjoy our show, you'll also enjoy OB Pod, releasing the show early Monday mornings, Covering the eastern side of DeSoto County, also do a deep dive into Lewisburg, Center Hill, and Olive Branch Athletics, OB Pod. Look them up today. Well, Derek, hope you have a wonderful week. Look forward to being back with you on Friday as we as we discuss everything from all meetings, the football game coming up on uh, Friday night, and also definitely our DeSoto County shout-outs uh, that we get back to do on this Friday show. Hope everyone has a wonderful day in Hernando and the DeSoto County area. Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.